Well, good morning, All Shores family. It is so good to be gathered together, united together this morning. And if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you are taking time out of your morning to be with us as well. I want to invite you to stand with us as we're going to enter right into a time of worship together. We simply want to begin our time centering our hearts and our minds on who God is and on what he's done. And as good as it is to be together in this place, it means nothing if God and the presence of his spirit isn't in this place with us. And so let's invite his spirit through our worship now to join us in this place and transform us.
because of his faithfulness as we've just sung and as we're going to continue to sing. There's a, a passage of scripture that talks about God's faithfulness and his provision for his people. And it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. It talks about God's people being in the wilderness. And, and I know I can relate to this passage. I hope you can too. It says that God found his people in a desert land, in an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no other gods. And he let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock. Essentially, it's saying God provides in any and all circumstances as we follow after him. So let's continue in that truth and spirit as we continue our worship together. Only you can satisfy 
simply want to invite your spirit to come and continue to be in this place with us, that we, we would not just gather here for, for a fun morning together, but that we would actually look to be filled by you and transformed by you, to go and change the world around us and to reflect and share your love and your faithfulness around us. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as we are all together this morning, before you are seated, I want to encourage you to take a minute and welcome those around you, and particularly to maybe even look for someone that you don't recognize or you haven't met before, and you might even just simply ask them, what campus do you regularly attend on Sunday mornings at All Source? Maybe even invite uh, them to, to... ask what what they're doing for their 4th of July, and then you can go ahead and have a seat. Well, good morning. It is so great to be with you. Love to hear that buzz of connection happening because we just value not just coming to church, but really connecting with God and connecting with others. That's why we're we're all gathering together as a, what we call our United Service today. You know, we have we're one church in three locations. So there's people from Muskegon, there's people from Coopersville, people from Spring Lake here from both services, and also those joining us online. So I just want to welcome you and thank you for being here and celebrating t- today that way. And if you're a, you're a guest with us today, you might go, that, that's a lot of information. But we are so glad that you're here, and we really do want to connect with you. We value that, as I said. So there's a couple ways we can do that. In front of you, there's a QR code, so you can open up your, the camera on your phone at any point oh, and point it at that, and there's our connection card will come up. We'll invite you to fill that out. You can put prayer requests on there. You can ask questions. We can help you take steps in your faith journey that way. And if you'd rather meet someone in person, um, either I'll be back at the connection point or we have uh, some great hosts back there. It's uh, straight out of the sanctuary on your left. We'd love to connect with you there and answer any questions you might have about the church or what's going on. So invite you to get connected and help continue to take steps in your faith journey that way. Well, we're just going to continue to worship this morning by receiving God's tithes and our offerings. And it really is truly a way that we believe that we worship God as we We give back a portion of what he has blessed us with. 
You know, we want to be a generous church. We want to be make an impact in this community and the world around us. And we really do that because you are a generous people. So I just invite you to simply be praying about how you might invest in God's kingdom through your local church. There's ways to give on the screens behind me. There are also little um, um, kind of mailbox things by the doors on your way out. So if you came prepared to give today, we just want you to do that with a joyful heart. We want to thank you for being part of what God is doing in our community. If you'll turn your attention to the screen, we've got a video for more information about what's going on here. Hey, All Shores. How I wish I could be with you today. I really do. Matter of fact, I would be with you, but as it turns out, I'm actually on sabbatical myself. You know, I just really want to thank you. I serve as the regional superintendent for the Great Lakes region, and I'm blessed to oversee about 201 different congregations throughout a three-state area. And obviously, All Shores is one of them. But I have to tell you, you are wonderfully unique in that you are one of the few churches that actually understands and elevates the concept of sabbatical. And I'm so thankful for that. We are encouraging all 201 of our congregations to enter into a regular habit of giving their pastors time to be refreshed and rejuvenated by Holy Spirit by focusing in on what he is saying to them as they disengage from ministry for a while. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, leadership team, the board of All Shores, but thank each of you as a congregation for supporting Peter and Jane as they are off away on their sabbatical and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to them, to fill them up. And you know what I'm praying for you is, is that as Peter and Jane are being filled up in their spirits, and as you are taking this time to be filled up by the Holy Spirit yourself through every week, spending time at church, and throughout the week, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word, that as you come back together in the fall, you're going to be stronger and more prepared to go after the mission that God has given you as All Shores Church. So here's what I'd love to do, if you don't mind. I'd love just to pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your midst. Let's pray together, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that your Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, taught us this concept of rest. He is so powerful, he never needed to rest. But he gave us the example of resting because he wanted to awaken in us the realization that there are seasons when we need to engage and seasons when we need to rest. And so God, I'm so grateful for this congregation of all shores that is encouraging Pastor Peter and Jane to take this time of rest. And we pray collectively right now that you would minister to, to the Ushanas family. Give them a wonderful time away. Would you refresh their spirits and their souls? Would you meet with them in a very real and personal and special way? And then God, I pray for the congregation of all shores. I pray that each individual would sense that you are inviting them into a summer of significance where they are spending time with you in your word and praying, where they are spending time growing in their relationship with you, where they're perhaps taking walks or doing whatever it is that refreshes their spirit and allowing you to speak into their hearts how much they mean to you. So Holy Spirit, during this time, would you refresh Peter and Jane? Would you refresh the congregation of all shores? And would you bring us back in the fall fully prepared to be more engaged in your mission than we ever have before. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the rhythms that you set out in our life that teach us to be more like you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, All Shores. Have an awesome rest of your day. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. Hope you're having a great start to the holiday weekend. My name's Evan. If we haven't had a chance to meet, hopefully you're enjoying the weekend. Maybe you got to see some fireworks last night. Maybe you got a cookout later today. We are in the middle, or the second week, really, of a six-week series called Detours. And if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back. You can, every sermon, every week will build off of each other. So go back sometime this week if you missed week one. You can find that at allshores.org slash media. But man, I'm so excited today. We're going to continue on in Acts 16. We'll be in verses 11 through 15. And I just want to encourage you, I think no matter where you're coming from today, I think no matter um, what you're walking in with, what you went through this week, I'm hoping, I'm praying that this, this moment that we have together will be encouraging for you. It'll be helpful. I know we've all said it, I know it's been said before, but man, I'm so excited that all three of our campuses get to come together for this United Sunday. We should not have to wait until heaven to meet each other. Amen. So I just encourage you to stick around. If you can, we'll have some fun things after service for everybody to enjoy. Stick around, meet somebody new, introduce yourself. This is why we get time together like this. To focus our time together today, we're going to be trying to answer one question that comes out of the text. Here it is. When... Is waiting on God actually a bad thing? When is waiting on God actually a bad thing? Most of the time, waiting on God is a good thing. But when is waiting on God actually a bad thing? Before we dive into our text, let me just catch you up to speed, give you some context. Jesus has already lived He's already died. He's already been resurrected and ascended into heaven. He's commissioned his followers to go and spread the gospel to the entire world. And this chapter in the book of Acts is about three men attempting to do that. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, Paul went on a lot of travels in his lifetime to spread the gospel. This is a part of what historians would have called his second missionary journey. You can see that, a map of that kind of here. Patrick last week talked about the joy of changed plans. Paul and his friends thought that they were going to go up to an area called Bithynia, but they got a vision from a man telling them to cross, this is the Aegean Sea, to cross the Aegean Sea and to head over for the first time into Greece. And scripture says, verse 11, it says, they set sail from Troas and they sailed all the way to Neapolis, right up there in the top left corner. And this is where we pick up in our text. This is verses 12 and 13 in Acts 16. Here's what it says. From there, we traveled to Philippi. 
a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia or Greece. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who were gathered there. I love this word right here, expected. Here's what this means. Paul, Silas, Timothy didn't have boots on the ground ahead of time. They didn't have contacts scoping out who would be best to connect with. They didn't have an in. They didn't have connections. Essentially, they did not have a fully baked plan. They were simply, obediently following a prompting. Have you ever gotten one of those? I'm sure you have. Maybe you wouldn't call it that. Maybe you would call it a feeling, an idea, a nudge. Have you ever felt God inviting you into something, to do something, say something, step into something that seemed time-sensitive, yet not fully thought through? As in, it was so unexpected, you didn't have time to think through how you would do it. You only had enough time to respond to if you would do it or if you would let it pass. I had one of those last week, actually. This time last week, I was flying back from Denver late Sunday night on a low-budget airline. Amen, somebody. Come on. You know the type of airline that only allow you to have one personal item, like just a backpack? That's what I, that's what I did the whole weekend with, just a backpack. And they make you check the size of your personal item before you get on the plane. There was an African-American lady who, who was working for the airline making everyone check their bags before they got on their plane, which let's just be honest, that is a terrible job. If my bag doesn't fit, do you know how much I have to pay for it at the gate? $100, okay? You might as well take my right arm. <laughs> the person in front of me, it was a grown son and a mom, and his mom, I think, I wasn't asking. And he was pounding his bag into this size checker. I mean, the airport was shaking. People were coming to look. Everyone, except for him, knew that his bag was not going to fit, okay? He got it part of the way down, and then he ripped it out, thinking that he was good. And the lady who worked for the airline had to re-ask him, no, you have to put it back in and make sure it gets down all the way below the line. And so he throws it back in and he's pounding it, slamming it. Finally, he gets it back in. He rips it out, gets way too close to her, and kind of menacingly upbraids her that he had to redo it. You know what I said? Nothing. Felt the prompting. Let it pass. Not this crew. Not Paul, Silas, and Timothy that we find in Acts 16. They didn't need a fully baked plan. They were good to go on a prompting, on a hunch. We expected to find a place of prayer, though. We didn't know. This is the first insight I think we can draw out of this text this morning. We're trying to answer this one question, remember? When is waiting on God actually a bad thing? Here's the first thing that we see out of these two verses. Here it is. 
When is waiting on God a bad thing? When we delay acting on what we do know while waiting for clarity on what we don't. When we delay acting on what we do know while we're waiting for clarity on what we don't. Paul and company didn't know who to talk to. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know where this new church should be in Philippi or who should help start it. But they also didn't just wait for God to pull it all together. They stuck to what they did know. Scripture says they were in Philippi for some days. I imagine them just sitting around. Do you know what to do? No. Do you know what to do? No clue. What should we do? Maybe we should pray. Some of you, some of you think that God is expecting for you to have it all figured out before you take the first step. Not so, my sister. Not so, my brother. Sometimes God doesn't slide a plan across the table. Sometimes all he gives you is a prompting. Amen? Amen. We pick up in verse 14. Here's how the story continues. It says, one of those listening, one of those women listening at the river was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. I love this part of the story. Paul and company went to the river to pray. And who do they find? A group of women who are already there worshiping God. They didn't come there because Paul showed up. No, this was their custom. This was their habit. And some of you might be asking, why are they worshiping by a river instead of back in the city? Remember, this is the first time that Christians, Christ followers, have ever been where they are, have ever crossed over from Asia where, where Paul's last missionary journey was over into Greece. This is new ground. And so up until this point, their only options were a Roman temple, which it seems like they're trying to avoid, or a Jewish synagogue. And maybe you know this already, but in Jewish culture, you could only establish a place of worship, a synagogue, if there were 10 religious men. If you had five religious men and five religious women, it didn't count. If you had nine religious men and a hundred religious women, it didn't count. And so worshiping by the river was their only option. Don't you love that? These women were not waiting for someone else. They took matters into their own hands. And not only that, but one of these women was a dealer in purple cloth. Essentially, she was a successful small business owner, clothing the elite in Philippi. She was industrious, and her heart was open to hearing the gospel. This is the second insight I think we can draw out of our text this morning. Remember, we're trying to answer this one question. When is waiting on God actually a bad thing? Here's what we see. When we overlook the people right in front of us for someone with more influence. When we overlook the people right in front of us for someone with more influence. Paul could have easily dismissed Lydia because she was a woman. Or because she wasn't from Philippi. She was from Thyatira, which is where Paul and company just came from. Paul wasn't even necessarily looking for Lydia, but... When she gets the opportunity, she jumps out of the woodwork. Lydia was ready for this moment. Maybe you're like Lydia. 
Maybe because of your gender or ethnicity or level of income or family history or profession, maybe you feel like you've been counted out of stepping into the gospel. Maybe you've been convinced by other people or by the world that your value is less than the person sitting next to you or the person sitting behind you. Paul wasn't looking for the most influential people. He he was looking for people who would be open to hearing the gospel and listen to what happens to Lydia next. This is verse 15. This is what Lydia does. When she and the members of her household were baptized, then she invited Paul, Silas, and Timothy into her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she Paul says, persuaded us. See, Lydia has influence. Lydia is a spiritual leader. And some of you are too. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a leader. Maybe there are too many negative connotations that come with that word, but you have influence. Maybe you hate that word too. Maybe it makes you think of how many followers you have or how many views you get, how many likes you have. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe like Lydia... You actually care about the people around you. That life isn't just about you. That you long to be a part of something bigger than yourself. That you want to make a difference. You want your life to matter. You want to add value to the people around you. You're like Lydia. And if that's you, but you're feeling hesitant, it might be for one of these two reasons. The first is either you're counting yourself out Or maybe you're waiting for a bigger platform. This is the third thing I think we can draw out of this text this morning, trying to answer this question. When is waiting on God a bad thing? Here's what we see out of Lydia's life. When is waiting on God actually a bad thing? When we discount small beginnings because we want to make a big splash. When we discount small beginnings because we're waiting to make a big splash. I know you know this already, but I'll say it anyways. Bigger isn't always better. Do you know that for a lot of people in your life, one meaningful conversation will do? Not from a stranger, but from you. One moment where you press past the weather. One moment where you press past the traffic. One moment where you press past the horrible air quality. I mean, come on, we get like two months of sun. Please. (laughs) One moment. One moment where you press past whatever sports were on last night. One moment where you actually see someone and share the good news with them. That's what Lydia did. She took what she received from God and she turned her around and she gave it to those right around her. And Lydia, by the way, isn't a one and done. She continues to show up in this chapter. She's not gone off of the, off of the pages of history, but she continues to be a focal point of the church. God continues to use her. This whole time we've been trying to answer one question. When is waiting on God actually a bad thing? Here's what we see out of this text, out of these verses. It's when we want God to do everything 
and refuse to partner with the Holy Spirit. One is waiting on God actually a bad thing. It's, it's when we want God to do everything and we refuse to partner with the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you, my friends? Don't wait for a plan. Follow God's prompting over your life. In your daily relationships, some of you are waiting for 100% certainty. Can I encourage you to shift that line a little bit, to move that line a little bit? What if you were to redraw that line, not at 100% certainty, but at 51% certainty? When you get that feeling, when you get that prompting, when you get that idea, when you see that person who you feel like you should go talk to, who you should go out of your way to show kindness to, when you're in conversation with someone you know and you get a sense, you're not certain, but you just get a sense that you should press a little deeper, ask one spiritual question. What if instead of 100% certainty, you just had to be 51% sure? Just more sure that God could be inviting you to do something than not sure. You might be saying, Evan, this is good and all, but what do I actually do? Can I just give you three of the simplest steps that I can think of? Hopefully these are helpful. Hopefully these resonate with you. The first one is this, pre-decide. Pre-decide. Most of us, won't be able to see something in the moment and just step up and be faithful to that prompting. Most of us won't. Most of us won't be ready. And so what you and I can do is we can pre-decide. We can, whether it's every day or every week, whatever you need, pre-decide that if there's a moment, if I feel something, if I feel like God is prompting me to do something, to say something, to step in, that we would pre-decide, you know what, I'm going to be faithful to that prompting. Here's the second one. Slow down. Slow down. You and I, we need margin in our lives to actually see people in front of us. If we don't have margin, all we see people as is obstacles to wherever we have to go, whatever we have to do not as opportunities to step up and, and to be Jesus to someone right in front of us. Predecide, slow down, and be bold. You know, I thought about, I've thought about that lady who works at the airline almost every day this week. She was just doing her job. She didn't do anything wrong. She was literally doing what she's required to do, and in the face of doing her job, she was upbraided. And I didn't say anything. You know what else? No one else said anything. We just went on as if it was normal business, as if this is how you treat people before you get onto an airplane. Church, can I just encourage you? You and I, we see moments like that every single day where people are not being treated how we would want to be treated. Where Jesus is inviting us to step up as people who carry the Holy Spirit with us, indwell with the Holy Spirit. We don't need a plan. We don't need to know ahead of time. But when God prompts us that we're the people, 
who step up and be bold and invite, and invite God into the conversation. I think it could have been as simple as walking up to her and just saying, you know what, you didn't deserve that. That wasn't your fault. Predecide. Slow down. Be bold. What's your next step? And honestly, I don't know. I'm not your Holy Spirit. Can I just encourage you, church? This is what I truly believe. That there is never a moment where you and I gather together, where we come and worship God, that he doesn't want to speak to us. That there is no one in this room that God is so angry at, so frustrated at, so fed up with, that he doesn't want to speak to you. This is what I believe. I believe that God is so gracious, so generous, so merciful, so loving, that if one of his kids, if you and I, if we open up our hearts and ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? Why wouldn't he say something to us? So I'm just going to give you a moment. I just don't want to run past this moment. If you do me a favor, just bow your heads, close your eyes. And maybe you've never asked this question before. But I just encourage you. Just you and God, you don't have to tell anybody. Just say, Holy Spirit, what's my next step? And what I'm hoping, what I've been praying for all this week, is that there would be a nudge, an idea, a prompting, a word, a memory. That God wouldn't be some far off distant spectacle, but that he's closer than a brother. Holy Spirit, we come to you today as individuals, yes, but also as a body your bride. This whole, this whole thing called church was your idea. You instituted it. That for some reason you thought we are better together than we are apart. For some reason, for thousands and thousands of years, you have put into place that we need each other, that we can't do this thing on our own. And you long to see us lock arms with each other, to walk with each other to forgive one another, to offer grace and mercy, to see value in people that the world may not seem value in, to step up, to be bold, and to bring you into every room that we walk into. God, I pray whatever it is that you want to say to us, whatever it is you want to say to every single person in the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you would speak it in a way that they would understand. And just for a moment longer with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to take a moment. I don't want to run past that for some of you today, whether you're walking, walking in or maybe you're watching online, that you would say at the beginning of our time together, you don't know what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And at some time throughout this morning that you've sensed, maybe you wouldn't even know what to call it, but you've sensed God inviting you to step in, to surrender to be in a relationship with him. And so I just don't want to run past this moment. 
that's you today. I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front, but I do want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you today, if you want to make that decision, take that step, would you just slip your hand up so I can see? Yes, I see you. If that's you this morning, just pray this prayer in your own words. Say, Jesus, I hear you calling to me. I'm so sorry for going my own way. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Holy Spirit, would you come inside me and would you make me new from the inside out? Help me to live a life worthy of the calling that I've received. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. If you made that decision today, I just want to encourage you. We would love to partner with you. We'd love to help you. The best way we know how to do that is on the connection card, what we referenced earlier. You, know, you can go to all, allshores.org and there's a connection card, or you can always go to the connection point out in the lobby. There's a box that you can check that says, my decision today. We would love for you to fill that out, and we'd love to follow up for you, follow up with you this week. We are going to take communion. You should have gotten a little plastic cup with a purple lid on your way in. If you didn't, there's still a ton out in the lobby. If you want to go get one, please do that. We do communion every week. It centers us and it reminds us every single week that we cannot do what God is calling us to do without God's help. And so we remember that it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. He was with his friends and he broke it. And he looked around and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And so we do that all together, church. And in a similar way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is a new covenant of my blood shed the for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we do that together as well. Amen. I'd invite you to stand. We're going to sing a couple more songs just in response and worship to our King.
church.
give you a blessing as we head out into a fun holiday weekend. If you'll extend your hands, it's so good to be together as one church family. Let me give you this blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he go before you. And in all things, may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. We'll see you next week, church, at all three of our campuses.